Okay. Um, I've asked my brother Walter to open us up in a word of prayer. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we're thankful for the most important words in our lives, which is the words of Scripture. We pray that we would reflect upon them, that we would be able to take upon ourselves the image and likeness and the example of Jesus Christ, who himself spoke with words of truth, but words of grace. We pray that our hearts would be receptive and open, and that we would take away that from your Holy Spirit, the things that we need to know and understand and apply in our lives. Through Christ's name we pray, amen. Thank you. Okay. All right, welcome everyone. Today's uh, camp forum is called Speaking with Grace, and King Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 10, 12, the words of a wise man's mouth are gracious. So today we're going to look into what that means. Um, a couple of years ago, I did a camp forum called The Power of Words, and that was um, from based on Proverbs 18.21 that stated that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And a couple of months ago, I was... Um, sent an email and asked if I would do another camp forum, kind of as um, built upon this one. So after praying about it, I thought, yes, I will. I had so much to learn yet, and the last forum was just so convicting. And um, I just really felt like there was so much material to learn from speaking with grace. And um, I wasn't sure where to start. But one of the um, verses that the Camp Forum Committee had sent me was um, the one that was from Colossians 4, 6. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt. So that took me back about 20 years when um, I, had, I was a, a mom with um, young children. And my younger son, Jordan, who was a preschooler at the time, um, started calling his older brother dum-dum. And in our house, that was a bad word. So, um, you know, I told him, Jordan, you know, you can't call your brother dum-dum. If you do it again, you know, you're going to get into trouble. And so I had to think about how am I going to discipline him, like, you know, washing your mouth out with soap. I thought I'm going to maybe try it on myself first just to see if uh, that would be too harsh of a punishment for him. So I did. I took some dish soap, and I thought, okay, this is, it lingered way too long. So, okay, I got to think about something else. So, um, the opportunity came that there we were sitting around the lunch table, and sure enough, you know, um, Nathan did something to aggravate Jordan, and he called his brother dum-dum again. So I said, Jordan, come on over here. And the other kids were like, are you going to wash his mouth out with soap? And I said, you'll see. So I have no idea where I got this brilliant idea from, but I said, Jordan, open your mouth. So he opens his mouth, and I took a teaspoon of salt, and I poured it on his tongue. And I made him hold it in there for about 30 seconds. I was worried it was going to make some blisters. I didn't know if it was going to have some kind of chemical reaction. Um, but then I let him wash it out with, uh, with some water. Uh, the kids still talk about that, the day that I washed Jordan's mouth out with salt. But there's more, there's a lot more um, to just putting salt on our tongues or washing our mouths out with soap to bring about gracious speaking. So the theme verse, verses, there are actually two of them that this form is going to be based on, are the one in Colossians 4, 6, 
This is, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. In this context, the verse gives us instruction regarding Jesus' reference to be a salt of the earth so that we can better impact unbelievers in the world around us. And the second verse is from Ephesians 4.29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And in this context, Text, we can see um, that our communication would be of benefit to others. Um, when I started thinking about putting this, all the information that I'd gathered, there was just so much information that it was overwhelming. And when I showed up at, at camp um, the other day and looked through the booklet, in a way, I was like, wow, like everything pretty much that is covered in this in the booklet and through this week is kind of like what I'm going to be covering in the camp forum. And I was a little bit um, intimidated that maybe it's going to be old information for you all, but it's basically going to be a summary. But in a way, I'm really thankful for this whole week that we have because every one of these sections had so much information that there was no possible way that I could cover it. So we had had such a busy, busy um, couple of months. From February clear through June, it was there was rarely a day that we didn't have someone in our home or that I had some kind of obligation. And so I set a day apart in June to just start on the camp forum. And it was early in the morning. Uh, Dragan had just left for work, and it was maybe about uh, 7 o'clock. And, and I'm like, I don't know where to start, Lord. Where do you want me to start? I had piles of notes. I had all kinds of things all over. And I decided just I'm going to go in the bedroom, kneel down, and pray. So I went and I knelt down, and as I was praying, the phone rang next to me. And I normally would just let the answering machine pick it up, but I'm like, this is early. I wonder, you know, if there's something wrong. So I answered the phone, and it was Betty Jane. And Betty Jane is an older lady in her 80s that I just love. She's the biggest inspiration to me. And uh, she, I love talking to the Lord about her. She's an encourager, and she loves plants. And she said, Lydia, the cactus is in bloom. And if you want to see it, you need to come over today because it's only going to be in bloom for one day. And this was her, she's in her 80s, and she had this cactus for over 50 years, and this cactus was her grandmother's. So I thought, oh, I really wanted to just work on this forum today, but I really didn't want her to just share in this joy alone. So I said, you know what, I'll be over sometime today. I'm not sure when. So um, got up, and right after that, I just finished praying, Lord, how do you want me to start this? And the scripture from Isaiah 55 came to mind. And this is what it says. I went over and opened up my Bible, and I started reading this. Isaiah 55, verses 6 through 13 say, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that proceedeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. 
for ye shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth before you into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the fir tree, and instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree. And it shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. And this is where I wondered, I thought, okay, God is going to use this. For some reason, he wanted me to read this passage today. I know it was long, but I really felt convicted to do so. And so when I went to see the cactus with her, um, it had the most amazing, gigantic flower that came out of this prickly thing. And it just reminded me so much about how we can be prickly as people. But... Um, this flower can come out. When I asked Betty Jane, I said, does it bloom like all, every year? She says, oh no, Lydia, the conditions have to be right. And I thought, this is just like us. We have to have the right conditions to bring about blooms in our life. Otherwise, we can be really, really prickly people. And the reason God wanted me to share this passage was because this passage tells us that every word of God has accomplishing power. Every word that God speaks is always on purpose. He has a plan for each of us. The word of God takes root in our heart and it changes us. And when Christ's words are sown in us, his works sprout out through us. So I wondered, this passage begins with God's amazing grace. So what is the significance of grace? So the definition of grace, we all pretty much know what it means, um, but it's a free and unmerited favor of God is manifested in the salvation of sinners. It's basically a bestowal of blessings. And in the Old Testament, it was used when um, God had so much anger upon the evil people in the days of Noah, but he also, he gave them undeserved grace. And he tells us this too. He says, speak this to one another. He tells us about um, the concept of the blessing, to bestow blessings and grace upon one another. And this was so important to them, to God, that he gave his people in the Old Testament um, a, the concept of how to use the blessing and also told them how to do it. And he said in Numbers 6, through 27, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto Aaron and unto his sons, saying, On this wise ye shall bless the children of Israel, saying unto them, the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. So I knew that God wanted um, something to come out of this passage, especially when it came about the, the, the thorns. And, and as soon as I got home, I felt this real urge to go and to look up the definition of grace. And um, when I saw the definitions, I got like so excited. And I'm like, of course, this is why God wanted me to read this passage. Um, the synonyms of grace are bless, beauty, consideration, kindness, beneficial, manners, pleasantness, thoughtfulness, tact, tastefulness, cultivation, endow, praise, elegance, and there's the word bloom. And I was so excited. I'm like, okay, there's got to be, I know, I just know what God has something here. There's got to be an antonym. And it's, when I looked up the antonyms, um, it says corrupt, curse, bad manners, crudeness, indecency, rudeness, ugliness, ignorance, neglect, thought, thoughtlessness, mercilessness, tactlessness, 
sarcastic, brash, rotten, unforgiving, sharp-tongued, and then here were the words that I was looking for, sharp, shiny, barbed, and prickly. I was so excited. I just I had to get up and walk around. I was like, yes, God, I knew that there was um, a meaning for this um, whole concept of this prickliness and this blooming. Isn't it so true that there can be a prickly side to us? Um, we all have this really deep need to love and to be loved, to be known and to know, to draw strength from one another, and yet relationships aren't easy. We know that we're all living in a broken world. We're sinful people. We sometimes hurt other people. Uh, we misunderstand and we're misunderstood. We have different personalities and different expectations. Um, things get broken that irritate us and our plans get ruined. Uh, and we have an enemy, Satan, that just wants to destroy every relationship that we have. We all struggle with pride and envy, greed and deceit, but so do those around us. We all need God's grace for us personally, from other people to give to us, and we also need to give grace to other people. We all heard the statistics about how many words we speak in a day, so we can see that we have plenty of opportunity to do a lot of damage with our words. So when that prickly side comes up out of us, not only can we demonstrate it when, um, you know, when things are uh, just with our words, but we can also do it in other ways. We can do it in nonverbal ways as well. You see, it's really easy to be gracious when everything is going really good. But when things come to annoy us and irritate us, we can be like a can of pop. We can just explode. And sometimes the way that we um, react or we can just, first of all, we can spiritualize this sometimes as a way that we do it. And we can say, well, the only reason I'm upset is that I don't believe that this is the, what the Lord wants. Isn't that an excuse? Or we punish. That's fine if that's what you want to do, but I just can't be part of it. Or we lash out. You always get your way. You're so stubborn and self-centered. Or we withdraw. You hurt my feelings, and until you realize what you did, I don't want to be around you. Can any of you relate to that? And these are some of the ways that our prickly side can come up through verbal and nonverbal communication. Um, we can see in nonverbal, we can give the silent treatment. We can sulk. Angry countenance, rolling of the eyes, pointing of the finger, hands on hips, glaring, widening of stance, clenched fists, raised eyebrows, facial expressions, slamming, throwing objects, huffing, sighing with emphasis, bobbing the head, inattentiveness, and retreat. Or verbally. Yelling, sarcasm, judging of motives, control, ridicule, tone of voice, disrespect, name-calling, rude, harsh, interrupting, screaming and arguing, increase in volume of voice or lowering of voice, uh, digging or jabbing words, slander, mean, gossip, harshness, accusations, lies, arguing and fury, and there's a whole lot of other ones we know. It typically progresses and gets worse. And it often starts with just a little bit of bitterness, just a little word of anger, a little annoyance that starts that bitterness in our heart. And if we let it grow, it goes on to wrath and anger and clamor, evil speaking and malice and every evil. Um, I, 
My husband and I were on the way to Home Depot about a week ago, and I was thinking about um, the verse in James that talk about, you know, you, how, how much can um, a little spark can start. So I was singing, it only takes a spark to get a fire going, and I, um, within about a minute, I wrote this little song, and I thought I'd share it with you. Um, Dragan told me to sing it tonight at uh, this inspiration hour. I'll spare you that. He said he's going to be watching live stream, but I won't do that. But this is uh, one of the verses I came up. It only takes one word to get two people feuding, and soon all those around are joining in the spewing. That's how it is with anger. Once you've experienced it, you want to shout, you want to scream, you end up being mean. See, um, getting our mouths washed out with soap or salt may stop the problem for a short period of time, but it won't be the solution because it doesn't touch our hearts. And you may wonder what the big deal is about saying a word like dum-dum. Well, the big deal is, is that it's mean, and there's no holiness, there's no love, there's no beauty in it. So it takes more than a mouth washing. Um, to make a person have clean lips. And this is what God does. God purifies and he refines. Isaiah 6, 5 through 8 says, Isaiah said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew out one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar, and he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched my lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin is purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. See, spiritual refining is demonstrated here. Isaiah needed to have his words purified and fortified so that God could be glorified. Woe is me was transferred into here I am, send me. That's the amazing thing, that God is the one that transforms and he refines us too. One of my treasured verses is in Psalm 107.20, and it says, he sent out his word and healed them and delivered them out of their distresses. Not only does God heal us from every sin and impurity that we have in our heart and in our life and give us grace, but he also saves us from our distresses. And I think that we can all get into a lot of trouble and get in distress from our words if we admit it. The word does not go forth void, it says. Whatever we, when we take God's word in our heart, it does. It has the ability. The word convicts us and it cuts away every evil thing and it is able to remove those evil things and to transform our lives. The book of Ephesians tells us the same thing, and that's where this passage in Ephesians comes from. The first part of Ephesians tells us all about our high calling. It talks about how we're chosen, that we're called, we're God's workmanship, that he has a special purpose for us. And he says his ways are not our ways of reacting at all. But the thing that we have to do is we've got to go back. Because he talks a lot about grace in those first three chapters, first four chapters. And he says, you've got to remember, you've got to remember your calling, and you've got to remember how wonderful that love is that I have for you. Remember that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ with which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Remember how patient God was with you. And if you can just think back for a time when you were 
that wretched person. Um, you know, what was it like back then? Have you forgotten? Just think back what he saved you from and how you were. See, first, we need to receive that grace. We need to remember it so that then we can go and instill it to other people. This was the greatest commandment. Christ summed it up. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. We need to be aware, we need to be prayerful, and we need to be intentional. Okay. And to do this, we will mature. We will be transformed. We need to be in prayer and we need to pursue peace. We also need to know the word of God so that we'll know how to react. We'll be better equipped to deal with our frustrations and our anger. See, the goal is not to change our words, but to change the heart. See, relationships were really, really important to God. He says, you're going to have to deal with a lot of people. And um, you're going to have to submit yourself to one another in the fear of God. Now, about a year ago, um, we had a boundary dispute with one of our neighbors, the ones that lived next door to us. We had lived in the country um, about, and six years ago, we had moved into town. And uh, we just have a, you know, basic small uh, city lot. And we have these neighbors that um, just started planting things, first of all, like right on the property line. We'd go away for a weekend, and there would come home, and there's this shrub, or there's this uh, thing that would just grow three or four feet into our yard, and we were really tolerant about it, really peace. We had never had problems with any of our neighbors ever, and you know we would just kind of cut off the branches or the leaves that would come into our yard. And but um, something happened last last summer where um, our neighbor went out and she started you know digging up the yard, and she was going to be putting like this rock wall up and. We went out and talked. It's like, oh boy, she's on our yard, and uh, he's like, I'm gonna have to talk to them. And I'm like, oh no, like I hate conflict. I hate conflict of anything. I said, why don't you just let him go? And he's like, well, no, you can't. We've got to know where the boundary is because, like, for resale one day, you know, this is really important. They can just take over. So he went out and had a talk with her, and um, she says, oh no, 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 this is this is my property. I know for a fact. I know where the stake is. And Dragon says, well, there are no stakes because the developer took them out. She goes, I know it's there. I took one of those metal detectors, and it's there for sure. And he said, well, you know what, Chantel, how about we come out with, uh, with our plans? You bring your survey, I'll bring my survey, and we'll figure out where the boundary is. And she said, okay, that's fine. So we agreed to go out after supper and brought them out. And, you know, they, they finally agreed and uh, put the stake out and put the string out across the yard. And she was still over, and the dog says, you know, it would just be good. I'll, I'll help you move it. It's not a problem. And she says, all right, you know, but um, just uh, don't, I'm not going to move anything right now. And he said, that's fine. So that was about a Saturday. We went to church on Sunday. We came home from church, and she had moved the, the little stake that they had put out and the, and the string, like about 18 inches. And Dragan says, she moved the stake. And I said, oh, no, like, what are you going to do? He goes, well, I'm going to talk to her. Not today. It's Sunday. I'm going to wait, and I'll talk to her tomorrow. And I'm like, oh, no, like, oh, this is awful. He's like, it's not awful. Like, what's the problem? I'm just going to tell her to move it. So um, so the next day, um, I said, honey, you know, I said, maybe we should pray about this. He says, honey, you can pray if you want. There's nothing to pray about it. 
you know, and, and he goes, go ahead, just pray. Like, she's wrong. She's on our property. I'm just going to tell her to get off of it. And so I said, well, let me, okay, let me just, you know, I, I just, I really think we should pray about it. And he says, okay, I, you know, he gave her a call and she was going to meet um, like in a couple of hours. Well, this was so incredible because I went and I opened up the Bible and this is the word that God gave me. He gave it to me from 2 Thessalonians 3.2, that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men. <laughs> For all men have not faith, but the Lord is faithful, who shall establish you and keep you from all evil. And I said, look, see, God spoke. He knows. He knows we're dealing with unreasonable men. He really cares, right? So and Thomas says, all right, you go ahead and pray. So we, we prayed. I prayed. He prayed along with me. And out we went. And... Um, well, the neighbors, they came out too, so there we are, and I'm just, you know, got this smile on my face, and I'm just, like, nodding and being really, and so I says, Chantel, like, you know, you moved the steak. She goes, oh, no, I didn't, and he says, no, you moved the steak, and um, the word started getting heated on her end, and she says, no, you know what, the steak shows, and the says, I called the city, and they had taken out the original steak, and he says, I think we should call a surveyor, and, she, and her husband starts saying, we're going to put up a fence. And, and Dragon's like, we don't need to put up a fence. Let's just, you know, figure this out. And he starts screaming and spewing bad words and, and uh, swearing. And Dragon says, you know, look, there's no need to swear. We'll get this figured out. And that, um, so her husband, John, he storms away yelling at us that we've never had neighbors. We don't know um, how to deal with people. And I'm thinking, oh, my. Uh, you have no idea how I hate conflict. So he stormed away, and I let, and I then I walked away because I retreated as well. And we had the surveyor come out, and I was up on the balcony just watching the surveyors, and I, I just I couldn't wait to get the answer. And um, when he was done, I said, what, "What's the verdict?" He says, "She's on your property, 18 inches." I'm like, "Yes, yes, God, you came through." So. The interesting thing was, okay, they, they did end up putting up a fence. And so that's fine. It's all great. But about a month ago, they were, I was out on the deck working on this same topic. And there they were. She had a tree. And she wanted to plant this tree. And she and her husband were arguing about where to put it because he thought it was too close to a shrub. And so they finally decided where to put it. He went in the garage. About 15 minutes later, he goes to the backyard. Chantel! And he starts screaming at her, Chantel, come over here. You moved the tree, right? She did. She says, no, I didn't. I didn't move the tree. And he says, you moved the tree. He says, no, I didn't. Okay, an inch. I moved it an inch. And I thought, oh, my goodness. He retreated to the garage. He's in the garage a lot. And I thought, I'd be in the garage an awful lot, too, if I had to live with her. I understand. Now I feel sorry for him, right? So God wants us to be able to live in harmony with other people. And, <laughs> and for us, we also have to know how to get along with each other. We have to know the boundaries. We have to know the standards. And this is where God gives it to us in, our, in the word. And um, this is what he says. These are his standards, okay? Um, there's no ands, ifs, or butts about it, okay? Um, Ephesians 4 tells us here, Therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all loneliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And be ye kind, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. So we can see the words that I chose out of these are humility, kindness, patience, and love. The next one is from Colossians. 
And again, when we read these, the words that I had chosen out of these are humility, kindness, patience, love. So these, these are the standards, okay? And I'd like you all to repeat this because this is really important. These are the instructions that God gives to us. So if you can all say these words together, okay? Humility, kindness, patience, love. Can you say it again? Humility, kindness, and patience, and love. And this is how we are to react to other people. Okay, so if you could remember this, this is going to be your first building block right here. Instruction number one. I was trying to think of how can I remember these four words? And um, I don't know, I'm not really good with thinking up things, but I was like, okay, um, how kind people live? I don't know, but do whatever you can to memorize these four words. And as we go through the rest of this forum, I want you to try to remember that this um, is going to apply to every one of these sections. So those were the standards. And then also in the word of God, the Proverbs is filled with all kinds of instruction for us. But he says, um, he gives us the wisdom. And it's supposed to be words seasoned with salt. So I looked up, what is that? I mean, we've, we've often heard of all the benefits of salt, haven't we? But when I looked it up, there was actually just more than just, um, just a little bit of seasoning. This is what it means. Um, salt is the number one, first of all, flavor enhancer. So the words that I emphasize, think of how we can apply those to our words. Flavor enhancer, okay, um, in the world. It can also be used as a uh, preservative to cure meat, keeping it from spoiling. It's valuable and was even used as a currency in past generations. It purifies and it softens hard water. It melts hard ice, and it has been used to prevent infections and wounds causing healing, but when it's overused, as we know, it can ruin a meal, okay? Um, when scripture describes um, graciousness, um, at times though it's with the words compassion and slow to anger are often used. Um, this is what Luke 4.22 states about Christ. And all bear him witness and wondered at the gracious words, words which proceeded out of his mouth. So we see compassion, slow to anger, and our words should inspire, um, motivate, nourish, and give courage. Okay, through this, other people are going to be drawn to Christ. Everybody's watching us. We're always being listened to. People hear what we say. They also watch us. They watch our reactions. We learned a lot this week about the nonverbals, facial expressions. What are people seeing when they watch us? Okay, this is what the book of Proverbs teaches us. Don't speak too much. So, all these, if you can remember these two, this is, um, this is instruction number two. Don't speak too much. Uh, don't speak too soon. Don't speak without first listening, and don't speak at all. So these are the four instructions that we're given, that we're going to have to have wisdom at various times. So it's been said that there are two types of people, those that brighten a room when they enter and those that brighten a room when they leave, okay? <laughs> the barking, whiny ones take the dark cloud with them when they leave, and the positive, cheery ones reflect God's light when they arrive. So we can see this concept of thorns and blooms. Okay, so I want you to think back now for a moment to someone in your life that has been so gracious, someone that inspired you, okay, someone that maybe changed not only the course of your day, but the course of your life. 
So just think about that. What was that about them? You may have even only met a person just for a very brief time or even just for a very few minutes, but they left an impression upon you that you will never forget. Elizabeth George says, with every encounter, make it your aim that people are better off for having been in your presence. Okay? Let people see that you are a person that is gracious and help them to also bloom and be the person that uh, they can be through those difficult times. See, what is going to attract us to people is a genuine care, um, interest in them, and also a concern. This is what draws people. This is what builds love. And God brings so many opportunities in our lives every single day for us to be able to use this gift. We are his ambassadors. We are his workmanship. And I truly believe that every single encounter that we have with people, when we exit the threshold of our, of our homes or when someone enters the threshold of our homes, they aren't just... Um, interruptions or distractions, I really, really believe that God orchestrated people to be in our life, whether it's even just the cashier. Um, we have opportunity every single day. We see people, we can just look at what are their facial expressions, and we can see that person looks like they might need a little bit of encouragement. We know that there are all kinds of situations. We have people that are grieving. We have people that have lost hope. We have people that are in the ministry that just need to know that they are making a difference so that they can go on because they're burned out. I think every one of us uh, need to be encouraged in some way. There are those that are, you know, the prodigals. Um, what, as I was reading this, um, what brings the prodigals home and um, people to turn to the Lord is to know that they are loved and cared for. Um, I read this interesting article about teenagers and what actually draws them to come to Christ. And it's not so much that you know, you're always hounding them with verses and teaching them this and giving them devotions. It's inspiring them with your own life. Okay, That's what's going to cause them to want to know Christ more. How are you living? Are you demonstrating God's love? That's ultimately what it is. And this is what 1 Thessalonians 2 says, to uh, verses 7 through 8 and verse 11. But we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because you were dear unto us. And ye know that we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children. That's a gentleness. Okay? So now we're going to try to put it to practice. How do we actually demonstrate this? Okay? In our everyday interaction in our lives. Okay? We know that we're supposed to be using these four words that we just learned. And what are they? Humility, kindness, patience, love. Okay, we know that. And we also know that there are four ways that we're going to have to be mindful of how we speak. Okay, so we're going to be able to demonstrate these in face-to-face -face encounters. We can also do this um, by sending um, messages through cards or emails. And we can also do this by phone. Okay, and this is where we all get hung up. We're like, well, what do we do? What do we say? What are we supposed to say? And uh, we really struggle with this at times. And sometimes we don't know what to say, so we just don't say anything at all, 
or sometimes we just start rambling, especially those of us that, you know, have, a, have the gift of gab. We just sometimes just go on and on and on, and we can just really make, actually, you know, and, and we can make an idiot of ourselves if you want. Um, I've done that plenty of times. But the thing we have to remember is keep it simple, okay? It's not about me. Okay, when we look at other people and what they're going through, remember, keep it simple. These are some words that we can actually say to them. You're an amazing husband, child, or daughter-in-law. I am so glad we're friends. Can I help you with that? I'm so sorry. You're an inspiration to me. I'd like your opinion. What do you think? I'd love to hear how God is working in your life. I'm hurting with you. Thank you for... We all make mistakes. Now let's put it behind us and move on. I don't understand either. Thank you for serving us in this way. I appreciate all you do for me. How can I pray for you? And also, you know, just using a filter, okay? Um, I had an experience just recently where um, someone was in our life um, the last few months who has gone through a death. And um, she said, Lydia, how am I going to face all the people? So many people are saying things, and some of the things that they're saying is just way out there. Like, and I don't know how to respond. So she was having a struggle with responding with words that people were just blabbing and saying things that were just totally outrageous. And then she goes, and what do I say to that? And I said, okay, you know what you do? Put a filter on, okay? And you know, like in some of those old cartoons where people go, I said, do that. So when people are talking, take the words that are meaningful at first, and when they start rambling on, just start thinking, and tune it out. And then when you want to respond, just put your head down, because she said, sometimes I just want to laugh. I said, well, they'll think that you're crying. So just put your, put your head down and just say, thank you for your love right? And, and leave it at that. So, but that's something for us to consider. You know what? We can just say, I am so sorry for your loss, or I just love you, and I feel for you, and I'm praying for you, and just leave it at that, okay? The other area we can do is through a written word, okay? And I know, um, you know, Getting cards are just amazing, or emails, or a text. And again, with this, you don't have to write a book. It could just be three simple sentences. Um, the Bible tells us in 2 um, Corinthians 3 that ye are letters of God written in our hearts by the Spirit of the living God. So these are the three things that you can do. Um, sentence number one conveys, I miss you, I appreciate you, I'm thinking of you, whatever it is that you want to demonstrate to them. Uh, sentence number two, just uh, let the reader know that they are special to you and why. And sentence number three, I'm praying for you and include an actual verse that you're praying for them. See, we always direct them to Christ. That's really the ultimate hope. Any word of encouragement that we can give to other people, any source of comfort we can give to people always points people to Christ. Even if you end it, I'm praying for you. And this is why it's really important that we also know the word of God so that when we are talking to people, we will know how to respond with different verses that are in our hearts. A couple of months ago also, I was at a really burned out time. I was just feeling really tired. Um, it just felt like I just, I, I can't serve anymore. I'm just really done. I'm really feeling like there's no worth to me, like there's no purpose. And 
just feeling like, okay, I just want to give up. And um, was just really just tired. And um, I went to the mailbox. I hadn't had a chance to check it for like about a week. And I went to the mailbox. And it happened to be a time that was right around Mother's Day and my birthday. So I was like so excited because I opened up. I got all these cards. And I went back home. And I sat on the couch and started opening them up. And I just started bawling my eyes out. The things that people wrote just inspired me so much just to go on and just renewed my strength. And so we can all see how we all need encouraging words at times. And I just really encourage, you know, everyone to use them. And especially when you get that little nudging that you're called to encourage someone, go for it right at that time. Because often or you, we all know the cases that people will say, I needed that, and you called right at the time that I needed it. I got that text or that email right when I needed it. The next tool that we're given in the Word of God is speak the truth in love. Okay, Ephesians 4, 15 tells us, but speaking the truth in love. And we need this um, to, better, to have a better understanding of one another. Because what it does is truthfulness shares what's going on in our hearts. Okay, we need to be able to do that, to share our opinions, to share what we're feeling, and we need to be real with each other. Okay, we need to speak what's going on in our hearts instead of beating around the bush with each other or being deceptive with people um, or just uh, withholding information because we're afraid of their disapproval. We need to feel safe to be able to do this, and we need to be safe people to be able to do this and not feel criticized and judged. Um, I do some volunteer work, and it calls that I have to have meetings from time to time. And um, a couple of months ago, I came home from one of the meetings, and I told Dragan, I think I'm shy. And he says, you're not shy. I said, no, no, I really, really think I'm shy. He goes, no, you are not shy. And I said, no, but I think I am. He said, well, why do you think that you're shy? And I said, well, whenever I'm in this meeting here, I just feel like I can't, like, open up and say anything. Like, even when I have things that I want to say, I just, like, sit there, like, quiet or just say as little as possible. And, um, you know, we, so he said, well, I, I really don't think that you're shy. I think it's probably, you know, maybe the other people that are in, in the group or something, but you're not shy. So it was a couple of days later, I had to meet with one of the other women that are in, in this group, and um, she stated something. I said, well, did, did you, why didn't you say that at the meeting? And she says, oh, I feel so intimidated by this so-and-so. And I said, oh, you too? And I, I said, oh, you feel that way too? She goes, oh, yeah. She goes, I just, I, I'm so scared to open my mouth because she just always knows the answer or has to state her opinion right away. And I just feel like, well, why bother? And I thought, that's the solution. I don't really think I'm shy after all. I think she's the problem. It's not me. So <laughs> we have to be safe. You know, and even if we don't agree with someone else, we need to be able to hear their heart. We need to know, we need to feel safe so that we can demonstrate, so that we can get to know what's going on in each other's hearts. Um, speaking, the, speaking in love means um, also not just speaking the truth, but that kindness also matters. Okay, you may not agree with someone's opinion or idea, but you know, you can state it in a gracious way. And you know, if you don't like what someone's doing or a plan that someone made or the way someone's living their life, like, you know, like, do you really have to say it? Do you really have to be mean? You know, think before you speak. This would be a time just 
to be quiet. You know, your opinion isn't always the right one. Okay, so there are times to just really consider other people above you. Esteem others. Realize that your way is not the only way. Okay? The other thing is just because it's true, examine your motives. Do you have to say it? You know, you might be saying something that's true, but what are your motives? You know, are they selfish or are they even evil? Okay, if you have to correct someone in love, you know, do it in a loving and a gracious way. Um, but be really careful that you're not going to go and share that information with someone else. Because just because something is true, you know, and you've got this little bit of juicy information, you know, be really, really careful not to slander other people's names. It's not necessary. If it's not necessary, don't say it. That's where also it's really important that to be a safe person, people, um, they're not going to come to you and share their hearts with you if they know that, first of all, um, there is a big possibility that you're going to share this information with somebody else, okay? So ask the Lord to guide you in this. Um, he may be telling you also just to not speak at this time. So there are times to know. You can get a sense when you're talking to someone and you need to say something that this just might not be the right time to say it, okay? And again, so this is where we're going to apply those four words, all right? We may need to be patient. This is where the patience comes in. Another area of being um, honest is um, what it's from Lisa Turkhurst's book called The Best Yes. Okay, this is an area where a lot of people struggle. We really want to say yes to everybody all the time, don't we? As Christians, we just think that that's the nice thing to do if somebody asks us what to do. But we all see that we are so um, so busy. We all have responsibilities. And it seems like somebody's pulling on us all the time. We can get bitter and burned out because, um, you know, people just, it seems like people are just calling us asking one more thing. Here's one more demand, one more thing. And we all have limitations. And the more that's piled on us, um, it just can really stress us out, and we can start feeling resentful to all those around us. And, you know, I don't know if some of you can uh, relate to this, but, you know, your plate is full, and then you find out you're going to get unexpected company, and you start running around the house like a maniac, screaming and yelling at the kids, do this, get this cleaned up. And, um, you know, we can just get really out of control because we're so worked up and have too much on our plates. Something to consider about this is, you know, even in the book of Acts in chapter 2, you know, the apostles realized that, you know, their job was to proclaim the word of God, and there were, there were widows that were being neglected. So they appointed other people to be able to serve the table so that they could do what they were called to do. We have to realize that we're not always um, called to do every little thing that we are asked to do. So, um, you know what, saying no isn't mean, okay? Um, sometimes it's the right thing to do. If you do know that you are going to give a no, and sometimes you know that right away, um, just pause for a moment when you're asked to do something, and you can e either say, you know what, can I have a day or so to think about this and get back to you if you want a little bit of time? And more often than not, it's yes, but don't don't delay it because you're afraid of what their reaction is going to be because that also puts them in a place where they don't have enough time to find somebody else to do it, okay? Uh, it gives them false hope. 
Um, the other thing is um, just be honest and just say no in a gracious way and say, you know, my heart really is saying yes here, but you know what? My real my, um, reality is I really just don't have time to do it. Or is there another time I could do this for you, like maybe in a couple of weeks? The next thing that we need to learn is to listen and just to keep it shut. James 1, 19, 20 says, uh, be swift to hear and slow to speak. Uh, so much of communication, as we learned this week, is just not saying anything at all, okay? Um, it's really important that we do this because if two people are sharing a feeling, and it takes one person to talk and one to listen. And we usually listen with the intent to react and not to understand. But when we listen, we get to know the other person's heart. Um, when um, every year we have a women's retreat, and um, every year I come home and talk, and it's like, so how was it? I said, it was amazing. I said, we had the best time. The women were just bawling. And he says, and that's fun. And I said, it is. I said, because you know what? I said, um, you know, I base, um, yeah, I, I tend to just base the success of a woman's treat by how many tears are shed. And it's because, you know, it, what's going on is the connection of the heart, okay? The women are just um, listening to one another, okay? Find out. So often, not just with um, connecting with each other and growing and getting to know each other and love, but it's also to get to know other people's opinions, um, where they're coming from. And um, so often we just think our opinion is the right one. Our way needs to be the right way. But if we get to know their hearts, they can actually change our minds and we can get to understand them. So this is where we get into um, the power of the pause, okay? So in order to not speak too, um, too soon, we need to cultivate three habits. Um, perfect the power of the pause. So when you're feeling frustrated or stressed, pause before you lash out, uh, before really um, realizing that your words may not help the situation, okay? So um, there's a couple of verses that I personally have memorized to help me with this. And um, one is, uh, put a guard over your mouth. And another one is, lay thine hand upon thy mouth. And I, I tend to practice this. Um, just um, We had to go to a wedding um, actually just a month ago. The newlyweds are right here in the front. And Draga and I had to go and, and pick up um, a couple of seniors. And I knew that usually picking up seniors isn't just a quick thing. But my husband, he delays going to weddings to the last minute if he can. Um, and I'm always like, honey, why is it that, you know, we're supposed to be going to a wedding with, you know, really good heart and excited and in a good mood, but I'm always getting mad at you when we go to weddings because, you know, you're just always waiting the last minute and I'm a punctual freak. He's like, don't worry, honey, there's lots of time. We did leave in plenty of time, it should have been, but we had to go and pick up these seniors. And when I went to pick up the first one, he wasn't ready. In fact, he was he was just laying on his bed, and I had to go and dress him. And I'm like, oh, no, oh, no, downtown is under construction, and we're supposed to be there. He's the grandpa. He's supposed to be there. I told, I told the parents I'd have him there at 10 after 1. We get him dressed. We get in the car, and we go and pick up our next two seniors, and they can't get in the van, and we're pulling and we're pushing, and we get him in there. And, and the dog is like, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Don't worry. Don't worry. The bride is always late, right? <laughs> And so I'm like, that, that's not, I don't care what the bride does. I'm supposed to be there and I'm going to be there. So as we're going driving, I'm like, oh, honey, you know all the construction. He goes, it's going to be okay. Well, we're driving down Herbs Road, make a right, and there's a roadblock. I go, mm! put my hand over my mouth. He goes, 
good girl. He goes, honey, he goes, honey, you might want to use your other hand. There's another roadblock. <laughs> My feet were kicking, but I, I kept it shut. And we did get there in plenty of time, but as you know, most of the other guests were late as well. Okay. Uh, the other thing is, uh, number two is, Ponder about what the other person said and perhaps go on a fact-finding mission and zip it and pray. Okay, um, so here's another example. Um, Dog and I, again, about a week later, we're going to pick up these same three people to go to church, right? And um, we pull up into the retirement home, and, and Dog is just sitting in the driver's seat. And I said, honey, you know, get out and, you know, open the doors for them. And he said, no, he can open his own door. And I'm like, that is so rude, right? So then, anyway, he gets in, and we go and pick up the other two seniors. I go, well, open the door. He goes, they can do it. It's fine. So um, I'm just like, man, I, I just don't understand. Like, he has no compassion. I'm just, like, really getting angry about this. And so um, they, they do. They manage to get in, and, and I'm just sitting there like this, okay, with my head down. And I, I, I guess audibly I said, well, okay then. And Dog says, you praying about me again? And I said, <laughs> I said yes. I and he says, what's God telling you? Right? And I said, he's telling me to take the words that you said to heart. Because he told me I always baby people too much. And I said, he's telling me to take your words, take your words to heart, and I'm going to apply them. And I told him to inspire you to pray about what you're supposed to, what you're supposed to do. <laughs> and he said, you know what, honey? He said, look, these men have had so much of their freedom taken away and their independence. And I really think as much as possible, we should just let them, you know, have their independence and try to get in as much. He goes, I'll jump out and I'll help them if I can see that they're struggling. But just don't baby them. Let them be men. They're in their 80s. And, you know, just let it go. So we don't have to just jump in right away. So if you can remember those three, that'll help you out. Um, the next section was supposed to be to cover um, behind the screen, controlling the digital tongue. And um, basically with this one, it's, um, you know, we heard a lot about that this week. So I'm not going to go into this too much. But we're all sometimes shocked about the things that people post. We see people are braggy, self-elevation. Um, just people lashing out every single opinion and we can see that this corrupt the word rotten corrupt it affects us too it just makes us feel like ooh right so um what are the the um the way that we're supposed to respond is we can apply the same rules for cyberspace when we're posting things as we do with speaking graciously and this is what we can ask ourselves. Is this comment wise? Will writing this comment help me display God's love to outsiders? Is this comment full of grace? Is this comment seasoned with salt? Have I asked God if this is the best response? I recently came across a blog um, because Raga and I, we love gospel singing and we'll listen to it you know, for hours, um, especially on a Sunday night. We'll just uh, put it on and sing our hearts away. And there was this couple that was singing some gospel songs and I decided to look them up. I hadn't heard of them. And I, it led me to a blog of theirs. And it was like, oh no, it's a husband and wife team and she was going through cancer. And I just got so... 
um, emotionally involved with this couple as I followed their blog. And it was the most inspiring thing that I had read. And I would just be in tears and just be so encouraged also as to the way that they were handling this. And I told my sisters about it. I'm like, you got to read this blog. And the one day it did happen in, in February that um, she actually passed away and she left, you know, little two-year-old daughter. And I picked up the phone and I'm bawling my eyes out and I called my sister Joanna. I said, she died. And my husband was like, what is your problem? You don't even know these people. And I said, they just touched my heart so much. And I said, I said, Joanne, you got to go to Cracker Barrel and get me their CDs. You know, so it, we could just be so inspired and motivated. So keep this as in, in mind that whatever we post, let it be to the glory of God. So what we're going to do next is we're going to do a little bit of self-examination, okay? Because um, the Word of God tells us that we need to look into our own hearts, okay? We're supposed to put away, put away all that is evil. Um, we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of the flesh, and we're by nature the children of wrath, even as others. We're told that we also were evil, okay? We can't just make an excuse and say that I'm evil by nature. That's just the way I am. Okay, that's not good enough for God, and it's not good enough for each other. God says that he watches. He hears everything that we say, and he knows the intents of our hearts. And there are certain words that we are told all through Scripture that say, put away, put off, lay apart, rid yourselves, mortify, reprove, renounce, and repent, okay? So these are some questions that I want you to ask yourselves, okay? Are you self-centered? And we can see continually thinking about what others should be doing for you, often feeling neglected, pouty, easily offended. Are you proud? Are you critical and judgmental of others? Have a difficult time accepting criticism, Okay, are you angry, impatient, and respond quickly in rude, demeaning ways? Do you have a bad attitude? Are you negative, whining, and complaining? Are you controlling and manipulative? Are you unreasonable and insist on things going your way on your time schedule? Do you use manipulation through guilt trips or speaking in condescending ways? Slander. Are you intolerant and speak unkind things about those with different views? Unforgiving. Do you hold grudges? avoid or refuse to speak to do certain to certain people because of previous misunderstandings okay if we admit it we all um, experience these at different times. We do have that sinful nature, that prickly cactus that we fight every day, okay? But he says, repent from these things. The first thing is to be aware. Stop looking at about how other people are. This is our biggest problem. We're like, well, I'm living with this person with this kind of a situation. Who could, who could be patient in this? But what are those four words? We know this is our duty. We can't just brush it off and say, that's the way I am. And because they're like that, I'm going to be like that. Okay? The Bible tells us to pursue peace, to be reconciled. And this is how he tells us to do it. In the Word of God, he tells us we have wisdom, so don't delay. He says, let not the sun go down upon your wrath, because the longer you stew, um, the more likely you are to strike. Okay, and the second warning is, he says, don't give Satan a foothold. Okay, give no place to the devil. Because once you've given Satan a foothold, he can take, a, it can make a stronghold out of it. And we can see how just from a little misunderstanding can blow up into family feuds. It can blow up into divorces. Reconcile. Okay, don't let that bitterness 
start growing within you. Even if you are 5% wrong and 95% right, take the steps towards reconciliation and act in a proper godly way. Go up. It's your lane. There's you examine your heart. Just say, what have I done wrong in this situation? Go for it. Don't wait for the other person to come to you. Just say, you know what? I'm, I was thinking about how I acted, how I reacted, what my tone of voice was, will you please forgive me for that, okay? And what you do is you name it, you claim it, and you ask for forgiveness. And you leave it. You get patience. They may not be willing to forgive you right away, and this is where being patient, forbearing with one another in love, okay? Do your part, okay? Um, I volunteer in a woman's prison, and... Um, so as I was doing this topic, um, I had a bunch of women in the room, and I asked them, I said, can you guys, this might be a like really weird question. You don't have to answer me if you feel uncomfortable. But what were you actually feeling the moment that you committed your crime? Because they were, they were women that had committed murder. And the one woman right away, she says, oh, she says, you know what? I, I, I killed my fiancé. I stabbed him in the heart. I didn't mean to do it. And she said, but I just reacted. I didn't know how to handle my anger. And they started talking about that, that they got to places that they never intended. And this is how it started, a little root of bitterness, where we can see that it goes to every form of evil. Okay, and, and they said, now we're in here. But now we have to deal with anger with ourselves for what we've done. And that's where it's really hard, too. And if we don't deal with our anger with ourselves, we can just become so depressed. And two weeks ago, um, exactly last night, one of the women didn't know how to handle it, and she took her own life. Um, she committed suicide. So last week when I was in, the women were all really, really upset about that, wishing that they would have been able to speak those words of hope and encouragement instead of allowing people to get to that point where their anger has taken them to a place of feeling like they just can't deal with what they've done in life anymore. So we have to remember God sees everything and also that, you know what, we might not be here tomorrow. The person that you're living with might not be here tomorrow. Let's cherish each other. Build each other up in love. And we had Christ that prayed for us. And Christ said this. He says, I pray not that, ye, that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. Sanctify them through the truth. Thy word is truth. I pray that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. In conclusion, um, Ephesians 5, 8, and 9 says, But now are ye light of the world. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Humility, kindness, patience, and love. Even in the midst of the world that is in tumult and grief, God gives inspiration through his word and direction through the Holy Spirit to do something, to make a difference, to inspire, to encourage, to help, and to change hearts, and to help build the broken to impart the blessing upon them. We apply grace because of God's amazing grace towards us. It is such a miracle. Isaiah 55 says that the seed of the word is sown in our hearts. The seeds of the word that have been sown in our own hearts take root if we allow them to. We then bear fruit and bless others, causing them to bloom through the words that we speak, fulfilling God's very purpose for us in our lives 
that we would be a light, always pointing others to God. Now the Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which hath loved us and hath given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good work and work. Uh, 2 Thessalonians 2, 16 and 17. So lastly, choose your word. Here are some guidelines that can help you as you seek to use your words wisely, discerning what to say, how to say it, and when to say nothing at all. Trade places. Put yourself in the place of the other person. Leave some things unsaid. Temper your tone. Consider your countenance. Believe the best before assuming the worst in the other person. Don't get historical. Don't bring up everything from the past. Notice the one who least expects to be noticed. Look around and see who could need some encouragement. And choose your timing. Thank you.